And speaking of God's Word, grab your Bible and turn to the index page if you need to and find the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and give your attention to the reading of God's Word. All right. As he said, grab your Bibles. If you're using the Pew Bible, it is page 616. And if you don't have a Bible, then that is our gift to you here at Westside. We love God's Word and we'd love to give it to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. When you're there, say Jesus. Jesus, I think most of us are there. All right, starting in chapter 2, verse 1. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my whole heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks, and I planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold, the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, it did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had had expended on in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. We're glad you're here. I think the 11 will be better than the 9 because the sun is out. And we haven't seen that in a long time. So, hey, we're glad that you're here as we are continuing through this journey in Ecclesiastes. And if it's your first week here, we would love to direct you to our website. We started this last week, and it was an important sermon just building sort of the context and the understanding of this ancient book. And what we learned was this is ancient wisdom literature. And we established Solomon being the author. And Solomon was one of the greatest kings that ever lived in the history of Jerusalem. And he sort of had like a genie in a bottle moment. And God said, I'll give you anything. And Solomon asked for divine wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom and not riches or any of that, God said, I'm going to give you everything else. And so literally this guy was divine wisdom and had more money than anybody could ever imagine and was a great king over everything. And we said that Solomon writes Ecclesiastes towards the end of his life, sort of as an old man looking back and reflecting on all of the journey. And what what Ecclesiastes is, is it's sort of an argument that's filled with questions. Uh, he, He asks 30 odd questions in the book. And it's about the meaning of life. What's the point of all of this? And he looks back on his life and says that it was vanity. And we learned that vanity meant sort of fleeting, that it's passing. And what Solomon did uh, those many years ago is relevant now and today. He said, I'm going to look at life and I'm going to pursue everything that life has to offer 
and I'm going to detach it all from God. I'm not going to put him into the equation. I'm going to pursue this on my own. That's where the phrase under the sun comes from. And as he looks back and reflects, we realized and looked at the end of the book. And he said, what everybody and everything has in common is death. And it was a real positive message last week, right? And Solomon says, we, we can't escape this. And to understand meaning and purpose in life is we won't find it under the sun. We have to look over it. And over the sun is an Old Testament term where, where God dwells. And so really what we're looking at is if we pursue life apart from God, Solomon tells us what the result is. And, and last week, we, we talked about this understanding that Solomon understood this at the end of his life. And one of your homework assignments, I don't know if you did this, it was almost weird to do, is we said, write your own eulogy. And it was, people were like, what, right? Because what you want to have been said of you at the end of your life and the goals and the purpose that you accomplished to live your life in reverse of that, that death is coming. So what will be said of us? And to understand life, look at death and then live your life in reverse. And that's sort of what we're looking at through the entirety of the book. And Ecclesiastes 2 opens up in a new journey that Solomon is taking. There in verse 1, he says, I tested my heart with pleasure, the pursuit of satisfaction, if you will. And maybe as for a way of introduction, this will be helpful. Uh, the year was 1965, and it was June of 1965, and a popular British band released their fourth studio album, and it was the first number one album here in the States. Rolling Stone considers it the top greatest 500 songs ever written. It's not the Mop Top crew, the Beatles from overseas. Uh, it starts with sort of a heavy guitar riff. I'll tell you what, maybe this will be helpful for you. Right? We got to do the Mick Jagger, right? Do the strut across the stage. Yeah. I mean, we gave away cotton candy last week, and now we're playing Rolling Stones, okay? We're trying, all right? Uh, The very famous song coming through Mick Jagger, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And in the lyrics, he says, I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try, but I can't get no satisfaction when I'm driving in my car. And the man comes on the right, right? He yells it. He's telling me more and more about some useless information that's supposed to Fire my imagination, but I can't get no satisfaction. What I love about the Bible is that it's extremely relevant, believe it or not. And long before Mick Jagger penned those lyrics, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes chapter 2, where in the pursuit of pleasure and satisfaction, he says, is vanity. In a way, Solomon is saying what McJagger is saying. I can't get no satisfaction. And he, he goes on this journey of telling us where he pursued this and tried to find all of it. But there's a phrase that I believe is extremely relevant in verse 1. I said in my heart, 
Come now, I will test you with pleasure. The word test means to um, gather all the facts, literally to experience this. This is an official journey. We're going to look at it from all angles of satisfaction and pleasure. And then he says this phrase, I came to test my heart with pleasure. And then here it is, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. I tell you what, if there's a phrase that 2019 waves a banner, it is enjoy yourself. And no matter what road you need to walk down, and what's true for you is true for you, and whatever brings that satisfaction and that joy and that contentment, you need to give your heart over to that, and you dare not say that somebody's pursuit of satisfaction is wrong because what's true for them is not true for you, but just simply enjoy yourself. It is actually a philosophical term and a worldview that's called hedonism. And it's in our text. The the Greek translation of the Hebrew, the word pleasure, is where we get the term hedonists from. And it's even found in some religious sects, which, which means the pursuit of joy and pleasure and satisfaction is the ultimate pursuit for any human being. And the reason why it's so popular is because I believe what we're going to get into today is what every single person has in common in the room. Why you work, why you went to school, why you married who you married, the clothes you're wearing, the restaurant you're going to choose to eat at if the preacher's not too long today. All of that stuff is to bring joy, pleasure, and satisfaction. The problem with humanity is we look down on certain pursuits of joy, and we say those aren't okay, but these are glorifiable and okay. Blaise Pascal was an early Christian who was actually a scientist. He was an atheist who didn't believe in God and was converted to Christianity. And he talked about the pursuit of pleasure, and he said these words, All men and all mankind seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they use, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both, to be happy. This is the motive of every action of every man and all of mankind, even those who hang themselves. You see, we we look down upon someone who sticks a needle in their arm to find satisfaction. But someone who is a workaholic is doing good. You see the rub and the tension. The desire is still the same. It is the pursuit of pleasure and satisfaction. And the rub with Christianity is it gets a bad rap because people think that Jesus is anti-joy and anti-happiness. So all of the amusement park of fun that the world has to offer, Jesus shakes his finger at you and says, you can't go in there because there's fun in there. And I'm anti-fun, right? But it's not true. Jesus even opens the Sermon on the Mount with the phrase, blessed are those, which actually translates happy. Happy are those who follow 
this way. You see, what's interesting is the, the destination of your life is not just determined by your direction. It's not just the way that you're facing now. It's not just your direction that determines your destination. It's your desires that motivate your direction that make you walk down that path. We say it this way. What we believe determines how we behave. So the reason why we lie is because we want to protect something that we believe will bring us satisfaction and joy at any cost. Or the reason why we pursue this is because my joy and pleasure will be there. In steps Solomon, wealthy, wise man. And he says, okay, you want to go that route? Let's have a conversation about that. Because I pursued this to a level that no other human being has ever pursued it before. And so today I want to ask some questions of the text. Because that's what Solomon does in the book. He asks multiple questions. We're going to ask, what does pleasure promise? What is pleasure's pattern? What's pleasure's problem? And what does pleasure point to? So the first question that we ask is, what is pleasure's promise And he says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure and enjoy yourself. Enjoyment and pleasure, I will test you with this. Now remember, Solomon is asking, what is the point of life? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? Why are we here? Maybe it's just for enjoyment and for pleasure. Well, if that's the case, Solomon is saying, Pleasure promises contentment. That's why it's so alluring to us. There's the thing in our heart. It's the reason why the wheels turn in our mind that maybe I'm better outside of this relationship or maybe I need this different job or maybe we need to move here or this is what needs to happen. And if I get these pieces in order and if I can shake this, then on the other side of that is rest and contentment and satisfaction. Because I don't think anybody wakes up and says, you know what, I'm going to see how unsatisfied I can be today, right? I mean, some people, right? There are some people out there, okay? But the majority of us don't wake up that way. We, we want to be content for their safety there, and there's enjoyment there. So that's what, what pleasure promises us. So how do we pursue it? Now, that's pleasure's pattern. And, and listen, here's what I love about the Bible. I believe it's as up-to-date as tomorrow's newspaper, And as we look at Solomon's pursuit and pattern and what he tried to find pleasure in, there's really three main categories. I think almost each and every one of us in this room would fall under in one of these categories. And and, and he says, I began to look at this, and the first one is, is entertainment. I was going to find peace and contentment. And look at what he says in verse 2. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? Verse 3, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, and my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay a hold of folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Laughter, drink, and folly, right? 
it's all, I mean, in modern day times, that, that would be entertainment. So he says, I went to the comedy clubs, Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan. I did all the stand-ups. I was there, right? We laughed, and that was great, and then it was over. And then I gave myself over to drink. And what we know from 1 Kings is he was, this is how crazy it was, right? This guy lived the craziest life ever. I mean, if he had an Instagram, it would be the most popular ever. This guy drank the best wine, and 1 Kings tells us that he was so rich that towards the end, he was drinking it out of solid gold mugs. I mean, like, just not your grandma's Tupperware, right? I mean, this guy's drinking the finest wine out of solid gold mugs. Yeah. And there's always the end of a bottle. And then he says, I gave myself to folly. And do you know what folly is? Madness. He said, you know what? I went off the rails. I mean, I just thought me and Charlie Sheen and the tiger's blood running through our veins, we just went out and we did it, baby. And that was vanity too. You see, what Solomon is is telling us, he gives us a haunting line. And look in verse 3. I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. Here it is. My heart still guiding me with wisdom. What does that mean? He said, I tried to turn my brain off. And so I just went towards entertainment. And I went towards all of these pleasures. And I tried to turn my brain off. But at the end of the day, and at the end of the night, and in the walk of shame, and the next morning, and all of this, the question was still burning in me. My wisdom was still there. You see, Solomon is bringing up a fantastic point. He says the pursuit of joy through entertainment... Entertainment just really equals distraction. That's all you're trying to do. You're just trying to turn your brain off. You're just trying to relax a little bit. You're trying just to laugh and have a good time because the pressures of life are pursuing us. And we try to escape that in a number of ways. And what's interesting, in 2019, man, talk about entertainment. USA Today released an article that said the average household income in pursuit of entertainment is about $3,500 a year, which I think is extremely low, actually. And now with Netflix and Amazon Prime, the average American watches about four hours of TV a day. And now with our cell phones, like, have you ever thought, this is a crazy day and age in humanity. Like, in your pocket right now, you have more information and access to more information than any human beings have ever had in the history of human beings, right? And there's tons of neuroscience and studies done that when your phone vibrates and gives you a notification in your pocket, the same dopamines release in your brain that release when someone uses heroin. Pleasure and entertainment. The average person spends anywhere from four to five hours a day on screen time on their phone. Why? Because all of the noise distracts us to turn our brain off. But at the end of the day, we're just like Solomon. The wisdom and the questions that burn within our heart, they're still there. So entertainment's a route, vanity. The next one is is accomplishments. 
Look at how he shifts in the text in verse 4. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens. Verse 6, I made myself. Verse 7, I bought. I had great possessions. Verse 8, I also gathered. Verse 10, I got singers. I had, I did, I bought all of these things. One of the things that's interesting about ancient kings is there wasn't news and Twitter like there is today, okay? I mean, a politician does something and you're notified like right when it happens, right? The news travels so fast. But they understood back then the only way that you could be recorded in history is by building great feats and buildings and monuments that would survive after you. There was great pressure. It's a lot like today's presidencies, I mean, every president tries to hang their hat on something, whether it's a war, whether it's a wall, whether it's health care, whatever. That president is trying to pursue something, an accomplishment, if you will. But you and I are, are, are very much the same way when it comes to accomplishing tasks and working and providing and doing. And if we can just get this in order, and then the, the fence in the backyard, once we get that done, then we'll be able to have the patio set. And then we'll get the patio set, and then I'll have a spot for the boat. And then we can buy the golden retriever and have 2.3 kids. And then we can do all the stuff and have, and then we can just, and then next year when I'm out of school, and I just got to work three more years for the promotion, because then once I've accomplished, and I've achieved, and I've done All of those things. And what's interesting is the desire and the pleasure in the pursuit of the accomplishment is much more satisfying than when you've actually accomplished it, right? I mean, mean, it's almost like buying something on Amazon. Like, it's so interesting while it's coming to your house. You're like, oh, you check it all the time, Earth City. You're just checking it all the time, trying to find where it's at. And then you get it, and you're like, yeah, okay, back to Amazon. You know what I mean? It's like the pursuit of that. This is a picture of Sir Edmund Hillary. He was one of the first men to make it to the peak of Mount Everest in Nepal, the the highest point on the earth. When Sir Edmund Hillary was interviewed after he had descended from the highest point, they asked him what it felt like and what he was going to do next. And he gave a haunting interview and said, I don't know what to do after you've climbed the tallest mountain in the world. And Sir Edmund Hillary suffered from great depression after he made that accomplishment. More recently, in the more famous book, John Krakow, in 1996, the journalist wrote the book Into Thin Air, and it was uh, created into a movie. Fantastic book. And he talked about how dangerous it is. And John lost a lot of his crew climbing up Mount Everest. And what's so haunting about it is you can't bring those bodies back down. There's no way that you can get them down. And so there's a point in the summit of Mount Everest that they literally call a graveyard because the bodies are still there. In his book, Into Thin Air, he records the moment that he stood at the peak And he says these words, straddling the top of the world, one foot in China and the other in Nepal, I cleared the ice from my oxygen mask, hunched a shoulder against the wind, and stared absently down at the vastness of Tibet. 
I had been fantasizing about this moment and the release of emotion that would accompany it for months and years. But now that I was finally here, actually standing on the summit of Everest, I just couldn't summon the energy to care. I snapped four quick photos, then turned and headed down the mountain. My watch read 1.17 p.m. All told, all done, all accomplished, I had spent less than five minutes on the roof of the world. Why is that so haunting? And why do we nod our heads and go, yeah, Why is it that when we hear celebrities interviewed from Tom Brady to anybody and they have everything that life could offer, yet they still ask the question, is this all there is? Because Solomon brings up a good point. Later on in the book, he's going to say, you know what was good about those accomplishments? Nothing. Because when I died, I left it to the next guy and he messed it all up, right? And he says, a pursuit of pleasure in accomplishments, accomplishments just equal pride. That's it. All the pools I was building, all the pleasure I was pursuing, it was to make my name great. And in that, it was still so fleeting. The pattern of pleasure through entertainment and accomplishments. And then the last one, sex. Right? You feel dirty just even filling in the blanks, right? And here's what I hate about this. Listen, if we're Christians, this is our thing, man. God designed this and invented this. And I would hope that you wouldn't get offended because your kids are in here, that you would trust your pastor to teach it from a biblical point of view because newsflash, they know more than what you think they know, okay? This is God's design. I mean, God didn't create Adam and Eve and turn away and come back and go, oh my goodness, what in the world is going on? So why are we all hush-hush? And I think the reason why the generations below us pursue and try to find pleasure and satisfaction in that is because we have not taught it properly as a good gift given by God to be stewarded well. And Solomon says, I bought concubines. If you you want to know what those are, you can ask Pastor Tyler. He'll be out in the lobby after church, (laughs) direct all your questions towards him, right? And, and, and here's what's so sad, and we know this about the life of Solomon. In 1 Kings, it records this, For when Solomon was old, his wives, th, plural, that means more than one. We learned last week, guys, that's a bad idea, okay? <laughs> right? Singular, not plural. Turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not Holy, true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Interesting. That's not said of Solomon about money, about accomplishments, but about his pursuit of joy and satisfaction when it comes to sex. And it says that he could not give himself wholly to God because there's something mystical and divine that when you give yourself over to this, you are giving parts of yourself over to this. And please listen to me. I mean, in our culture and in our world, we, the world is filled with boys who can shave, who live in their mom's basement, who are scared of all commitment and all of that but are leaving a wake of devastation behind them because they think they can find satisfaction and joy down this road. 
And women, please listen to me. You being created in the image and likeness of God, that you were chosen, that you are blessed, that you were redeemed, that you are God's creation. Don't ever find satisfaction in using yourself in that sense. And I'm primarily provoked about this because our culture is venomant, venomant about anybody who says you can't enjoy yourself that way. And our culture is never satisfied. And here's what I've been hollering from the rooftops. Instead of rejecting God's design and being super mad about it, how about you try it? Like, our culture is like, oh, no, you can't do it this way. But this month, it's, it's seven ways to zippity-zing. And then next month, it's going to be 45 way, And then this, and then that, and then this book. And then the keeping up with the whoever they are. And all of this stuff comes out, and we're never satisfied. Because we can't submit ourselves to that design. And here's what Solomon's saying. If you leave God out of the equation... The pursuit of pleasure and joy in sex, it just equals lust. That's all it is. Because lust says this, sacrifice for my joy and pleasure. I don't want any of the commitments. I don't want any of the responsibility. You are a commodity and you please me. Love says, I will sacrifice and lay down my life for your joy. And your commitment. Do you see the difference? Now, is entertainment bad? Are accomplishments bad? Is sex bad? No. But what Solomon is saying in this is if you pursue these things apart from God, this is all that you're going to get. And I believe in those three areas, a majority of us in the room are going to fall under one of those categories. So we know that pleasure promises contentment. We know what the pattern is. Now, what's the problem? What's the problem? How come Mick Jagger sings, we can't get no satisfaction, which is the anthem of every generation? Well, Solomon tells us. Look at what he says in verse 11. Here it is. Then I considered all that my hands had done. The word considered means I faced reality. And here's what I love about that. You've got to do that at some point. Hey, listen, you can throw yourself into your job. You can bounce from one relationship to the other. You can be distracted with entertainment. You can do all of that. But when you lay your head down at night, it is just you. And it's your thoughts. And you have to face reality. And Solomon says, I did that. And here's the reward. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity. And striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Listen, if you were driving down the road and somebody waved at you and they were in the middle of the road and they said, do not go down and continue down this road. There is a horrific wreck. There's fire. It's super, you've, you've got to go a different route. Nobody argues with that guy and goes, you know what? It's my life, okay? And I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and how dare you tell me not to go down this road, okay? What Solomon and God's grace is doing for us, and please, youth age, please listen to me. He's saying, you will be presented with an opportunity in your life to go down this road. 
I'm writing as an old man who has shattered the broken pieces of his life all over that road, and I am begging you, don't go down it. Because why? Because pleasure promises more than it can ever produce. Pleasure has a great advertising department, but pleasure has a poor manufacturing department. It writes checks that it cannot cash. So, what does pleasure point to then? Because let's ask ourselves, why do we have these senses? Why do we have, uh, you know, taste and sight and smell and all of that? Listen, follow me. If we are created in the image and likeness of God, then why did God create areas of our brain that are triggered to release dopamine that we would experience joy and pleasure and satisfaction? God created all of those things. But why? Well, Solomon tells us, Just a page over, he says this. There is nothing better for a person that he should eat, drink, and find enjoyment in his toil. Here it is. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? You know what Solomon's saying? You know why God gave us cows? God invented cows so we could eat steak, okay? I'm just going to summarize that for you. That's why, all right? And when you're sitting there eating that steak and your taste buds and everything, God created you in such a way not for you to fall on the ground and worship the steak. God did not give us the opportunity and energy to make money in such a way that it would control every aspect of our life with sex or anything else. God gave us these senses of enjoyment so when we experience them, our enjoyment would bubble up over the stake, over the money, over the sex, over all of that, and it would lead us to the Creator God who created us that way. For the New Testament version of this is in 1 Corinthians. That whatever you do, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do unto the glory of God. Listen, there's two great errors in the Christian world. One is is that we are Christians and God, oh God, long prayers and thee and thou, and you are pleased with thine own thee and thou. Right? And we are serious, and Jesus never laughed, and neither should you, because we were baptized in lemon juice. Right? And then there's the other side of the track that, man, whatever brings you pleasure, God's grace, He just wants you to experience everything, and there's no guardrails for that, and there's no design. Man, peace, love, and unicorns, and fairy dust, bro. Right? That's the other side. But there's a middle ground. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, and I'll close with this. The books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust in them. It was not in them 
For it only came through them. And what came through them was longing and desire. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they will turn into dumb idols, breaking and shattering the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not yet found, the echo of a tune we have not yet heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. These things show us that we were created for more. Listen, here's the thesis. The point of pleasure is to point you to find pleasure in God. That's the whole point. God has made us and experience individuals that we have these senses and we have this taste. And when you're eating orange sherbet or whatever with your kids and you're having a great time and you say, ooh, this orange sherbet, it tastes so good, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And how come we can taste it? Because we have taste buds. And who created us? God. And why did God create us with taste buds? So that when we would taste this, we would thank Him for being such a good God that we can find pleasure in. And then when we use the things that he has given to us in such the right way that our hope is not set on them. I think so many of us experience so much frustration in the room over work and over the relationship and over all of that because that thing was never meant to bring you all of that. It was meant to point you to the God that you can find all pleasure in. I have three questions for you today. The first one is this. What occupies your daydreams and your thoughts? Ah, I think what you think freely about and effortlessly, that is what you treasure. I believe that's what your heart really desires. What do you daydream about when you don't have to think about anything else? What you're saying is this thing will bring me contentment. I think that's a way that you find that idol. The second thing is this. What good things are you making God things? Please hear me. None of these things are bad. Solomon doesn't say that they're bad. But when we take a good thing and make it a God thing, that's when it becomes a bad thing. And that thing will turn on you and it will shatter your heart. We can do it with church. Oh, dear Lord, please don't place all of your expectation and satisfaction on this church. If I haven't made you mad already, just give me time. I believe that we're a good church, but what we're striving is we're striving towards the God that we find pleasure in. And then the last thing is this. When's the last time you just enjoyed Jesus? When's the last time that you said Jesus' name and you just smiled? I don't ever want there to be a day when I say His name and I don't smile anymore. God wants that for you. These are good gifts, as James says. For every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Heavenly Father, we come before you today thankful for your word, thankful for the life of Solomon, for somebody who is standing at the precipice of a road, waving and begging, don't go down that. 
Not as a cynical judge waiting to punish us, but as a loving Heavenly Father pursuing His rebellious children saying, please don't go that way. There's nothing but heartache and there's nothing but turmoil there. But rather go this way. Because all experiences of pleasure in our life are like little breadcrumbs. They point us back to you. And as we come to the table and we see the body broken and the blood shed, may we be reminded of Jesus' words. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. We pray this all in the holy and in the perfect and in the precious name that satisfies, that pleases us, that brings us contentment and where joy is found. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Would you stand right where you're at, come forward and partake in the elements as you feel led today.